0: Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Tuesday, December 6th. We are here live, time for an episode of the Power Hour. I've got the team here from Pittsburgh Power. We'll hear from them and then we'll hear from you. Phone lines are open. If you have a question, a comment, a topic about maintenance, We can talk about engines, performance, fuel mileage, modifications, upgrades, troubleshooting, emissions, electronics, you name it. We'll tackle it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and join us. Phone lines are open. Start dialing 855-950-3835. We're gonna go right to the team from Pittsburgh Power. Bruce, looks like you're first up this morning. Welcome back.
1: Thank you. Who's first up today? You are. Oh, okay. Phone had a little hiccup there, and I didn't hear my name. Ah, there well, you go. Kevin, as always, it's our pleasure. What's
0: on your mind this morning?
1: And I wanted to, I wanted to start out and say, did you see my text? I have a new cell phone number. I did. So any owner operators out there that are trying to call me on my cell phone please call me on the shop line because I don't have time to text everyone to give them the new number and I did that because of the amount of people that are soliciting on the cell phones and the robo calls or uh, uh, what do we want to call them now the fake calls and I, I've even called those people back on the landline when I get them and I said please uh, you know I don't need an update on well, yeah, whatever. What, what those old people yeah. get for, for health care, you know? I know. <laughs> you know? I know. That. And all that stuff. And, and, you know, I get I get 12 or 14 of those a day, so I just decided it's time for a new number after 24 years.
0: You know, that's not a bad idea. Anyway. I've had mine a long time, too, and it's, you know, the calls were bad. Those still happen. But the texts, I swear the texts are even worse. On an iPhone, it takes you forever to clear out your text list. And you have to keep doing that because you keep getting all these
1: junk texts. That's right. That's exactly right. So I, I, I had enough. There you go. <laughs> then I got a guy who he says he's with the Mexican Mafia. I think I knew who it is. Uh, when I call these people back and I get a lady on the phone, I come, I come across a little rough to her and uh, thinking maybe they'll quit calling me. And then I got her husband. <laughs> and now I get calls from the Mexican mafia, and I'm not as scared of the FBI. I'm up, you know, and they show me pictures of people's faces all cut up. So I oh, said, you know, i have not of this bullshit. Yeah, exactly. And the, phone, um, the numbers were from Los Angeles and San Diego. So I, I said, you know, yeah. All right. So Chris Kyle called me and he had been using the max mileage catalyst in his older truck but he bought a newer truck he bought a 2019 freightliner cascadia with the dd-15 dd-12 direct drive 228 rear gears and he said spec' right for 65 mile an hour and he felt that he wasn't going to have to use the max mileage fuel-borne catalyst so he set out to drive this truck and he was said he was going to give it 30 days in two and a half weeks, his MIL light came on. I've never heard of MIL. Have you heard of an MIL light? I have not. What is that? The, the malfunction indicator lamp. <laughs> that must be a German term, instead of check engine light. <laughs> right. MIL. He's saying the MIL light came on. I said, what's the MIL light, you know? Throwing a code. 4364, and actually he did some research and he found out that it was a selective catalyst reduction, NOX conversion was low. So he did some more investigation, and Freightliner has a 28-step dealer-level diagnostic process to determine the actual cause of this, and it takes 12 hours to do this. So he figured 12 hours at $150 an hour, plus parts, would buy a whole lot of catalyst. So he decided to put the catalyst in. The first three days, nothing changed. The truck was still running okay, though. Still had the MIL light on. Fourth day he started, no MIL light, no problems, and the uh, problem has gone away. The catalyst fixed the problem. So when so,
0: when you just started he, he's reading on what land start. When you just started reading all that, that the Knox conversion to this and the race show, and I, all I could think of was remember back when we would say, Well, it's got fuel, it's got air, should start, give it some ether. <laughs> <laughs> right? That was about all
1: there was <laughs> to it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes, we all, man. every mechanic had a can of ether
0: exactly. on his toolbox. Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> it's gotten a little more complicated. Just give that. it a touch. Yeah, just give it a little ether. It should start. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I like, uh, I'm Dale Howard years ago came up with, when <laughs> we used to call it the check engine light, um, he just started calling it the throw money at the dealer light. I thought that
1: was pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When they started putting them on the Dodge Cummins pickups in 98, mid-98, when they went to electronic, it drove us crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I remember when they you first know, came you, out, one of the most common reasons for that light to come on was your gas cap was loose.
1: No. <laughs> they don't have a check engine like that says change your fuel filter. Yeah, exactly. All right, what else you got? Anyway, that's that's what I have. All right,
0: let's uh, let's hear from Leroy this morning. Good morning. Good morning. What's on your
2: mind today? Oh, I have a couple things. I guess the first one is sort of an interesting story. Um, We had a guy last week at one of our remote dealers that we did a tune on his truck he felt like it got wiped out at a dealer and he wanted us to hook up remotely and see what was going on it was a 2007 uh 60 series so that's the one with egr and the vnt turbo so what his what he was experiencing was really low boost like he could only see 28 30 pounds boost which when we people call in and say that, we say, well, maybe it did get put back to stock because typically when we program DX5s, they make upwards of like 38 to 40. So we look at the program and our tune's still in there. So kind of weird. So take it for a test drive and we're watching and we see really high turbo speeds. Um, probably like 90, I guess we saw what, like maybe 110, 120 which for that turbo is really high and so so that's we're, what we're like, is
0: that what just for my own what's that indicate what's that number mean
2: so so that's
0: how fast the turbo shaft is spinning so, so, is so you can like, sort of equate that to would it be is it RPM of that shaft I mean
2: what's yeah. the okay yeah it's it's right. RPM. okay got it yeah I guess. So, yeah, we're seeing 120,000 RPM on the turbo, which is nearing or basically at the limit for what that turbo can spin. I think factory is like 110. It usually throws a check engine light and it's spinning 120,000 RPM. Okay. And he's only seeing like 28 boost. Ooh. Well, if, if the turbo is spinning, you either have a giant charge air cooler leak, it's blowing it out somewhere. Um, you either have a plugged air filter or there's no fins, right? Because just the shaft can spin, but you can have some fin damage or something on the compressor side or the turbine side. So... And could, we're like, it's one of those...
3: Could
0: could it also just be that the VGT itself isn't working right? That the blades are too flattened out at that point to produce as much boost or no?
2: Well, it, you sort of think about it. I mean, it's spinning, a, it's spinning the compressor side 120,000... RPM, right? Okay. So your compressed that compressor wheel is just doing its thing, right? It should be compressing air that's sucking in and making right. boost out of it. Okay. So like the shaft spinning, there you're either that compressor wheel is junk, or it has a giant charge air cooler leak, which is or I guess okay. just a charge. And he's like, I've checked this thing over. I've checked this thing over. It's not that. It's not that. We're like, well, it's going somewhere. So check the wheel. So he checks the wheel. It's fine. And this goes on for like an hour and a half. We go back and forth. He thinks it's the ECM or something. I'm like, there's the, the, the turbo spinning. Right, right. And anyway, AR is like, what, what? what's your air filters like? And the guy's like, I just have this brand new set of aftermarket air filters in. I won't say it was brand new. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird. He's like, well, just he's like, I got paper ones in the uh, the back, I'll just throw those in. We're like fine. Just he's like, but I don't think where this is gonna go because they're brand new. Yeah, right. So he goes, in, goes up the, uh, the on ramp, thirty eight pounds of boost, and his, he's like, all my power's back. <laughs> so uh, we went round and round for an hour and a half for air filters that were I get I don't know if they were clogged or they were over oiled or something, but it was enough of an air restriction that the turbo wouldn't produce what it was supposed to. Huh. Interesting. It's so, just something we don't see very often. sort of and, an interesting story.
0: And you weren't able to look at it and figure out where the restriction was coming from. You mean on the laptop? Oh, that's right. You weren't physically there. Okay.
2: Yeah, no, we, got, were the, we were remotely there. Got it. That's All right. I could this see was, just the data coming in. Yeah, this was. And I'm remote. like, from where I'm sitting, the working, the files working, I was like, I don't know what you got going on. and yeah, JR suggested that he'd change the air filters. I
0: can't imagine what could have been going on with those air filters to cause that kind of restriction.
2: I, I don't know. I thought it was kind of weird because he said they were like new. He's like, I just put these things in here. Huh. Even over-oiled.
0: I mean, the worst that usually happens is you start sucking some oil through the system and it clears up pretty
2: quickly. They were enough of a restriction that uh, huh. his stock paper ones actually were better. Wow. Okay. Well,
1: they weren't our filters, were they?
2: They were not our filters, no.
1: Okay, so they weren't the fleet airs. No, they were not fleet airs.
2: But it, was um, it well
0: it yeah. was it K and I I I
2: I can't remember.
0: And the reason I say that is because there aren't that many aftermarket filters out there, and K&N, what might have happened, is the K&N foam filter is not an oiled filter. And if somebody took a K&N and oiled it, I wonder if it would cause that much restriction.
2: Yeah, I mean, there definitely was a restriction there. I've only maybe seen an air filter cause any restriction, especially wow. in—this guy is only making— fifty six hundred horsepower and it was enough of a restriction to to sort of gut that engine. Yeah. I've seen air filter restrictions on nine, it, what, a right. thousand horsepower engines. Exactly.
0: Because you just 600. can't get enough air, right? Yeah. Huh. Right. I just wonder if somebody oiled a foam filter that isn't meant to be oiled.
2: Hmm. Yeah. It right. may have been NN filters. May not. Have been. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so but, Leroy did you speak to Chris Niles about his brakes and did you have any thoughts on that
2: yeah so we had another guy uh, Chris Niles call and he had an issue where his brakes
1: would lock up he would start to move out of the driveway hold on 2019 Cascadia yep 2019 Cascadia with the DD
2: and he would start to go out of his driveway and his brakes would lock up all of them, every axle. And you know, obviously would call a tow truck and by the tow truck, by the time the tow truck got there, the brakes all unlocked. So they followed him to the Freightliner dealer and the dealer says, I can't find anything because the, the brakes aren't locked up. So he takes it, drives again for a couple more days and it does it again. Well, again, he just waits for, you know, uh, several minutes and they unlock. And I had Adam with me, one of our mechanics, and we get to talking to him. And it doesn't seem like it's anything electronic because he doesn't get any sort of messages on his dash or beeps or any sort of warning indication that there's something electronically locking the brakes. But it does seem like there's something related to his trailer is some somehow he's getting air inside of the, the valve, the foot valve. Because it makes his uh his brake pedal stiff, so awesome. it's a sort of uh one that nobody can figure out. The dealer's been having trouble with it. We just tried to help him over the phone, but he's either having some sort of venting issue where the uh, foot valve's not venting and it's building up with air pressure, or he's getting some sort of air pressure back into the foot brake and. As I, I can imagine, as the foot brake begins to build up with air pressure, it eventually just locks the brakes up until it sort of vents off.
0: Yeah, because I guess it would put pressure both ways. If you're feeling pressure on the pedal, there'd also be pressure into the brake system itself. Is that... Yeah, and the brake lights are correct. So, <laughs> so I, I should probably... Maybe we need to do a back-to-the-basics on air brakes. Who wants to take on I that challenge? I think
2: that's challenge? a good idea.
0: Because here's, I I should know more about this. Does this have anything to do with the tractor protection valve? We always hear that term. What the hell does that thing do?
2: I have no idea. Me either. Pete, do you know? I do not know.
0: <laughs> You've heard the term, though, right? We hear well, the term all the time, and I've always wondered, yeah. when,
2: what does it do?
1: We could have Adam on there and do that segment of the show uh Adam yeah Adam and, mostly, yeah, he, Adam doesn't like coming <laughs> on the radio
2: you know, he's <laughs> <not too bad. laughs>
0: he was so happy with me that day like that, that I, guy I, I I ruled that he didn't have to come on the radio that I would explain it instead so I had him tell me everything and then I did it
1: Adam does a fine job one-on-one helping he's, people with problems. Yeah, he's really you just good. pretend like there's not uh, there's not thousands of people listening, and there's just one. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, we should do that, though. I think we could all use a little more education on the air brake system. We just trick Adam. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Just just
3: tell well, he's him he's just talking to you,
0: Kevin. That's it. Just tell him to call me. And explain to me how the air brake system works, and I'll just fail to mention that we're on the air at the time. Yeah, okay. that'll work. All yeah. right. He just did one-on-one conversation. There you go. That'll work. All right.
2: What else you got, Leroy? Um, I think that's mostly it. All I right. think uh, we wanted to talk. Uh, overheads, and I thought I think Pete could take the one on that. Good as a tribe member, uh, I think Herschel ah, okay. mentioned
0: that he wanted to hear about overheads. So we're doing a back to the basics on overheads. I like that, Pete. Good morning.
3: Good morning, Kevin. How are you doing today?
0: Good. What else you got on your mind before we start on uh, overheads? Anything else?
3: Okay. Yeah, a couple of different things, um, and we'll get to the overheads. One. Um, Diesel Progress Magazine uh, named Cummins mm. Newsmaker of the year this, year this year, which is the fourth time since 97, which I thought was pretty interesting. And part of it was going over just the, the changes are making, um, the companies are buying, you know, like, like Bruce had mentioned um, last week, uh, buying Meritor, they bought Jacob Break, and, and just buying companies to... Further their their existence in in engines, um, yeah. and actually, they're leaning more towards the internal combustion engine with other fuels.
0: Okay, Which and then they, oddly enough, kind of, um, they were they were really big into the natural gas more the more so than any other of the OEMs.
3: They're going that way, um, and, and oddly enough, the um, diesel. Progress International Magazine nominated the internal combustion engine as Newsmaker of the Year.
0: Oh, good. And they
3: had a really good article on, it's not going away anytime soon. And as I was kind of following up on this stuff, I, I saw an article where because of the energy issues in Europe, because of the um, war going on in Ukraine, that Switzerland announced that this winter they might possibly not let people charge their electric vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the first ones to push oh, this electric God. vehicles and now they're saying this might not be able to charge them.
0: Unbelievable. That didn't Talks take long.
3: No. No. So, yeah, diesel progress, uh, both the international and the, um, just the plain diesel progress, it's a lot of good articles, a lot of newsworthy stuff that they, they talk about. And a lot of it is um, Some some smaller engines, maybe they'll talk about uh, equipment for lawn care, stuff like that. But it's all diesel-related. But I I thought those two articles were pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to look to see if I can add them to my newsfeed.
1: I don't get anything from them. Diesel Progress is a great magazine. Yeah. They used to send me a copy.
3: And then now it's you know just online. So then when there's a new issue, they um, email it to me, and I can look at it. I get some good stuff on there. And then uh, before we get to the overhead uh, oil samples, so when we you know sell you an oil sample and it gets lost by FedEx or UPS, there's nothing we can do about it. That's between the customer and FedEx and UPS. Um, We we seem to get a lot of phone calls when there is an issue with um, FedEx or UPS. Losing it, that we should do something, be able to do something about it. And unfortunately, we can't. Once it, you know, is picked up by FedEx or UPS, if it doesn't make it to uh, where it's getting sampled, there's just nothing we can do. Got it. Okay. Eric, Eric takes care of that. It's a lot of a lot of phone calls, and, and you know, be patient with Eric. He does a lot of stuff here. If he calls you and leaves you a message about your oral sample, he'll he'll get back to you. Yeah. Got it. Good. Then the next thing would be the overheads. So one of the guys asked, you know, why do we set overheads on trucks and not on cars? And there's uh, a couple reasons. Uh, a lot of cars ran hydraulic lifters, so just no need there. Cars don't do 150,000 miles uh, a year where a truck does. You know, uh, how many cars out there are running over 150,000 miles? I mean, most people trade it off. Right. That. Yep. Uh, They don't need set. Um, Now you get something like Eric at work has a a Mustang. He races solid lifters. He sets the overhead after every, you know, race day, because things change quite a bit.
2: It's it's like my uh, wife's Civic. They uh, it has it doesn't have hydraulic lifters, so you actually have to do a. They want you to do a valve adjustment every like hundred miles. So I think Honda is one of the few that actually have. Or they don't use hydraulic lifters because with a hydraulic lifter it takes up all the slack, and they use oil pressure to. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? The Cap- yeah, no, but the clearance it takes up. It takes up all the lash. Clearance. Yeah, it takes up the lash.
3: And why we do it on the trucks? One, the valve seat in place. Uh, you know, regardless of the engine, uh, over time the valve seat, which changed the settings. <laughs> If you're running a cam-driven injector, generally injectors loosen up, which is why a guy will experience maybe soot in the oil, maybe a little smoke, a little worse fuel mileage. All that can be because of the overhead. So that's why we like to set overheads on a regular basis. And we're always looking for fuel mileage. And if the overhead's off, you're not going to get the fuel mileage you should get.
2: So what... Things expand over time.
0: So, what um, this is probably one of the most basic maintenance items on a diesel engine, right? One of the most consistent basic things we still have to do. We were doing this way back when we had mechanical diesels. Nothing's really changed other than maybe how you do it, or, you know, some of the engines are designed a little differently. But this is still one of the most basic things we do to an engine, right?
1: Well, yeah, the overhead cam has changed a lot. The okay. overhead cam was made a yep. big difference because it eliminates the push rod and the rocker arms and the cam followers. Rock rock. The... Yeah. So mm-hmm. w- when… The overhead don't change like they used
3: to, but they still do change.
0: And it seems like some of the engines are really sensitive to it today. If, if it does get off, it, it starts to cause issues. Why is it that something that's been so basic for so long, we still have to ask what can go wrong with this? I mean, somebody could you could have your overhead set and it could just be set wrong, right?
3: Which... Right. I have um, customers that have a, a problem, and you can't even on a new engine that uh, you know, you're assuming that it was set properly from the from the beginning. And on a fresh engine, you do have a lot of um, wear initially, where things change fairly quickly. Like on the old big cams, I know we're going back quite a few years, but we would set the overhead 10,000 miles. We would set the overhead, fire the truck up, run it for a couple minutes reset the overhead, Have the guy come back in 10,000 miles, and then depending on which big cam it was, reset it at sixty to 80,000 miles. And, and they changed quite a bit. You had rocker boxes that could change, and now we don't have a rocker box. You have a
4: uh,
3: rocker assembly um, that's that's boarded to the head. Um, the rocker boxes would expand and contract and, and make some changes. They never went back to the same setting. So we did have to set overheads more frequently than we do now, but we do find them off steel. And, and you're also assuming the mechanic that had to do it. You know, I get a lot of people saying, oh, it doesn't need done, or it's not that big of a deal. Um, back when I used to go to Cummins classes, I would hear techs. So, so we're going over the engine, going over the overhead, brag how fast they did the overhead. It's not a race. Yeah, right. It's not about exactly. how fast you got do to do it right. Yeah, Yeah. All I think right. a lot of shops, especially the bigger shops, they're more interested in, hey, can you get this three-hour job out in two hours um, than they are is, you know, I wanted to leave it right. right. So when I set the overhead, I took pride in it, and it was 100% on. It was right on money. Exactly. And consistency is a big thing. Yeah. You want them all set. All the valves. If the intakes are 11, you want them all to be at 11, not this one at 13, that one at 9. Um, you want them as close as possible. Got it.
0: All right. Anybody have anything else?
3: Nope, it's nope. for me.
0: All right. Hey, since you guys mentioned Diesel Progress, the magazine, I went to add it to my newsfeed, and I saw the first article when I landed on their site. It's about a boat, Bruce. It's, uh, the company is called Candela, and the article says Candela's battery-powered flying fish. And what they're doing here, this is a design for a new passenger ferry, um, but this is really interesting. This boat rides on hydrofoils, like the whole wing foiling thing I'm doing. Everything that rides on water is going to these foils, surfboards, now boats. They claim 80% less energy use by riding on the hydrofoil.
1: I think there's ferries that are riding on hydrofoil. I think so, ferry, too. Ferry
0: boats. Yeah, I think so, too. And that's this is, mm-hmm. it, this is a design for a ferry, but it's going to be electric. And they said there was no way they could even think about electric on a boat because of all the drag. The, there was just way too much energy consumption. And you know how horrible the fuel economy is on a boat. But 80% less drag by riding up on the hydrofoils and that's the there you go the first thing you notice when you're wing foiling it, when you get up on that board it's a big board and it has got so much drag in the water and then all of a sudden you pop up on that hydrofoil and you almost always fall over because the resistance just disappears and you, you have to learn how to adjust to that and it's incredible how little drag there is once you're up on that foil
3: Hey, when you had all that snow, did you take take the, take that out? Did you go out in the weather in the snow? Uh, the hydrofoil?
5: Yeah.
3: You <laughs> said you going to do it all winter. Oh. You, it, last week you had a bunch of snow. Did you go out
0: there? And- oh, no, I wouldn't. It, we don't get any good wind this time of year. Hardly ever. And if we get wind, it's almost always an, uh, an east wind, which is the opposite of what we want. Maybe at the end of next summer I'll be able to go out in an east wind. The problem with an east wind if you're not very good is that I'll put in the water here at Cascade Locks and somebody's gonna have to come rescue me down at the dam because I'll never be able to get back up river. Because you got the river flowing that way and the wind blowing that way. It's easy to go west, but it's almost impossible to come east. Once you learn how to do it, you can. But I wouldn't even attempt okay. it till yeah, right. yeah, till I get a little better at the foil. I did with all the snow. I did get my electric snowblower out for the first time. It did really well. Okay. Yeah, that was impressive. Good. But Thanks this quiet. Oh, it's incredibly quiet. That's the first thing people notice. People were walking by and they're like, "What is that thing?" And how come it's not making any noise? It just it's there's almost no noise at all, and it can throw some snow.
3: Good. Yeah, my. Yeah, it's a shame I'm enjoying this snow as I'm cleaning it and it's just so loud. I got headphones on and you know, <laughs> the neighborhood can hear me. Yeah, I can't do it in the morning. Right um, because it, people aren't up yet when I listen, so yeah.
0: No, this is so quiet you almost can't hear it. It's pretty mm-hmm. crazy. This uh this this foil thing on How the long- boat though is pretty interesting. Bruce, here's, here's how little drag there is on the board itself or, or when you're on the foil, how little drag there is. One of the ways you can ride this foil, so you, you would have your wing and your wing will take you as long as you've got wind. But when we have the big boats come down the river, we have cruise ships that come down the river, we have the big barges. You can let your wing just hang down doing nothing. You just let it trail off behind you. You hold it with one hand at the front, and it does nothing. Just the wake alone is all you need. to You can follow that boat forever. You just ride on its wake. That's how little drag wow. there is. Wow. Yeah, you, you kind of surf right off the edge of the wake, and you can just follow the boat.
1: I didn't think that would be fast enough to keep you up.
0: I know. That's but that's how how little drag there is on this on the um, the foils. And you know when they start making them out of mm-hmm. carbon fiber, they're they're so light and so small. And the other thing about it, it kind of freaks you out when you think about crashing. All the edges on this foil are really sharp. Like if you got tangled up with this thing, it would do some damage. It's you know hard carbon fiber with sharp edges, but it it's so thin, and that's why they're using carbon fiber for the strength. But it's so thin, and that the, the thinner and smaller they make that foil, the less drag there is. Hmm. All right. Well, I suppose we should uh, we should probably start taking some phone calls.
1: Let's. Uh, Look for Mike Lane. Mike Lane wants to come on and talk about the owner-operator snowmobile conference to see if you see we'll, Mike. We'll keep an out eye out for him. He's, he's
0: not there yet. We're going to get started in the northern country of B.C. Murray, welcome.
6: Good morning, gentlemen. Long time no talk to, but here we are nonetheless. Got a couple of comments for you and uh, and a question. All right. Um You're mentioning the, uh, the ferry, the hydrofoil ferry. Yeah. Uh, BC, BC ferries messed with that about 20 years ago, but of course for the, for the Vancouver Island run from Vancouver to, to the Island. Um, and, and they said they couldn't make it work because it took too long to get up on a step. Um, Maybe maybe they're going to use a smaller, boat. they use a catamaran here for this one. They had two of them, and it turned out to be a huge boondoggle, but like everything government does. Yeah,
0: well, you know, it's interesting you brought that up because I was just thinking about this. So that idea of a foil— I could go back 30 years, and where I grew up, there was actually a SeaWorld there in Northeast Ohio of all the crazy places. You know, they had them in Orlando and San Diego, and then they stuck one in Northeast Ohio, and they had a a water ski show at SeaWorld, and one one summer I was there, and they had this thing, they called it an air chair and you sat in it, you actually strapped yourself into this chair, and on the bottom of the chair was a hydrofoil, and you would ride up on the foil, and it was the craziest thing ever. And then that same summer, somebody had one out at the lake that I was water skiing at, so I got to try it. Then they just disappeared. I I never saw anything about those until just recently, but I also remember The we had the Lake Erie islands right there. You'd leave, you'd take a ferry from Sandusky over to the islands, and they started playing around with the hydrofoil ferry about 20 to 30 some years ago. And then I think that went away. I think they they finally figured out how to make these hydrofoils correct because they're all of a sudden they are everywhere. Yeah,
6: yeah. Well, it could be like I say, they. They messed with it, couldn't make it work, but but yeah, with new technology, who knows? Maybe we're maybe they got it nailed down now.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to see a bunch of boats fly. It, it, there are so many advantages. I mean, we talk eighty percent less energy. That's huge. Um, but the other thing about it is, it here's the one thing I can remember about going to the Lake Erie Islands. If you wanted to take a pleasure boat over there, like a nineteen or a you know twenty-three foot, even a small cabin cruiser that ride was rough you just pounded yourself for two hours to get over to the islands the foil takes all that away
6: well and and, and that's what they were saying about these catamarans when they built these ferries here was that the rough the ride nobody wanted to they would all wait for a different ferry because the rough the the ride was so rough it was it was unbearable right
0: so, yeah the, yeah, the the foil on the board, I've ridden things on the water my whole life, water skis, wakeboards, knee boards, uh, boogie boards, just about everything. And the foil, there's no noise, there's no spray, there's no rough ride. It is just as smooth and quiet as can be. Mm-hmm. Well, uh,
6: there you go. Let's see if let's see if they get that nailed down.
0: Yeah, looks like it. All right, what else is on your mind? Um, okay, two other, two other things. Uh,
6: uh, quick question for the Pittsburgh boys: What is the ma- the stock manifold pressure for an Acer four seventy five C fifteen?
1: Thirty
6: eight pounds. Thirty eight. Okay, so this one is on the six side. I'm running thirty two to thirty five at, at at best.
1: Yeah, so you're a little low, right?
6: Well, I'll talk to the I'll talk to the doctor about that. Um, you guys were talking about the tractor protection. valve. do you guys not do like air brake training when you guys um, issue um, truck driver licenses? We
0: we kind of like sort of do, but it's been a long time since I've had to take any of those written tests, and honestly. What I remember from it is you just kind of memorized the important stuff. It's shocking to me how many people that work around trucks or have been doing this for years really don't... I mean, none of us knew what that thing really does. I hear the term all the time, well, but I've often oh. wondered to myself, how come there's a part on the truck that I keep hearing about, but I don't know what it does? Well, the tractor protection valve is designed to protect
6: the tractor against air loss in the event of a breakaway. You ever, you ever pop your red line off while well, it's charged, and yeah. then, of course, the air yeah. comes out, and it'll come out and come out until so you hit about 60 pounds, and then, a, then and the, the red button pops out? Okay. That's your, your protection valve so that you still have enough air to keep the tractor brakes released after the trailer dynamites.
0: See, that's so simple. That makes so much sense, and that's so yeah. simple. Yeah. And so as it is in the name, it, it protects the tractor from air loss. Yeah, got to it. A, to a degree. So yeah. we can, you know, all come right. to a... that's all I got. got. Got it. So we can come to a controlled stop instead of our brakes locking up on us.
6: Yeah, like your trailer brakes would be locked, but I mean, just right. imagine how difficult it would be to handle things if the truck was locked up too, right? Yeah. All right.
0: Interesting.
3: Yeah.
6: So your trailer your trailer will be skidding behind you or, or whatever. Yeah. It's going to be depending on how tight your brakes are and how heavy you're loaded and all that stuff, of course. But,
0: but yeah. So, yeah, unless that hose popped off so because we forgot to secure our trailer and we lost the whole thing.
6: Right. Yeah. Right. Well,
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. 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 That's, exactly. a, that's another story. None of us have ever done that. <laughs> that's right.
1: Okay. Okay. Kevin? Yeah. Kevin, did you also... Back when he first called, he used the term, and I don't know if you caught it, and he said, up on the step. Yeah, I did.
0: You know what he meant by up on yeah, the step? up on plane is what I've always called it. Right.
6: Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, up on plane,
6: up on step. But I've heard it referred to a couple of different ways, but yeah. it, that's the point at which you're, you're kind of up out of the water, up on the foil
0: now. Yeah, one of the um, one of the things I was reading about this. Let me find that quote again. Um, there was a statistic in here about this foil itself, and oh uh, shoot, no, I can't find it. Um, it talked about the fact that this foil was computer controlled and it was doing something like a hundred times a second, or. Um, which is the whole trick to learning how to ride the foil. You know, like I said, I've been riding stuff on the water my whole life. The trickiest thing I've ever ridden so far is this foil. It's really, really touchy right. to just minor changes in angle. Or So I guess on these boats, they've got really sophisticated computer systems monitoring and, and working that foil. Yeah.
6: Well, the, the ferries, the BC ferries, they tried it on. Like I say, they were, they were catamaran hollow ferries, and they had fixed foils in all four corners. Um, so the idea was to get the thing up to 30 miles an hour, and once it got up to 30, it would just, it would automatically lift up onto the, onto the foils, and then of course, as soon as you went too slow, it would begin to sink back down onto the hulls again, right?
0: Right. Which is, like I said, it's but, the but the foils. Go ahead but the foils weren't adjustable on these things it, and maybe that's what they finally figured out is that the the foil itself is the the real key here in managing that foil is is probably the technology we were missing the last time they tried this right
6: right well and, and the foils were shaped altogether different too it was more like a it was more like a V. Uh, at, at, and, and it was kind of an angled V on all four corners. So it was almost like the, the like a, you know, what a deep V hull looks like right. picture that sort of standing down below the hull on each four corner, each of the four corners. And so as it would come up, it, it's kind of like this, this blade, just pushing across the top of the water.
0: Yeah. So this is, when you look at this foil, um, they're calling it a pod, and I, I was right. The, the computer-actuated hydrofoils are regulated more than 100 times per second, aided by sensors and a computer yeah. to yeah, ensure so a-, a smooth ride in different weather conditions. They're actually using counter— right. So the foil itself is, is down under the water, the electric motors right there, and on the foil, they have counter-rotating props— I have no idea what half this stuff means, okay.
1: but it's interesting. Prop is one, one prop I, is going the right hand and you, the other one's going left hand.
0: Yeah. So they, and these props are stacked oh, yeah. one right behind the other and they're rotating in opposite directions. So the, and the pitch is opposite. Obviously they're still both driving the boat forward, but they're doing it by turning in two different directions, and that prop is on the back of the hydrofoil, those two props. Interesting design. It really is. Huh. All right. Yeah. All right. That's all I got
6: for you, and i got to get busy and unload, so I will let you go and go there. There you go. go. There.
0: Get to work. Good call. Let's go to New York. Brian, welcome to the program.
7: Hey, guys.
8: Um, yeah, that's definitely a nightmare when your oil sample gets lost. I uh, I always hand-deliver mine to the UPS storing, get it tagged right away, except last year, Christmas Eve, I dropped it in the box, and that was the last anyone ever saw it. Oh, boy. And uh, it never got picked up or scanned. And UPS wouldn't even talk to me because... According to them, I'm not their customer. Because <laughs> they the never got it the, the first time.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Right. Okay.
8: So, and the lab wasn't very much help, and I,
0: yeah,
8: I just ate it. Huh. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't have any answers to our air brake questions. I just have more. Here, Here's mine that nobody can answer. And, and I know it's Pittsburgh Power, not Pittsburgh Brakes, but maybe somebody will know. Um, I've noticed a problem with certain trailers. They will build pressure in the service line, the blue line. And like, you'll snap, when you unhook the trailer, you snap the blue line off, and you'll hear a little bit of air pressure release. And... I'm a little worried about it because if we're building pressure there, well, that should mean we're dragging brake a little bit. And if it gets bad enough, we'll have a real problem. So I don't know if anybody's. I don't don't know. Nobody can tell me what that is or how to
0: fix it. I I don't know what could cause that. I do know one of the ways you might want to check to see if you've got brakes dragging is use a temp gun.
5: Right, right.
0: Because you're right. It you would seem like, yeah, would I don't seem think like if had we a... had enough pressure in there, it might start to, to actuate the brakes. All right. Anybody have any ideas?
3: So that that. No, I, I don't know much about them. It's just something we didn't do when I worked in a shop. It was strictly engines. Yeah,
0: and, yeah I thought that my my wheelhouse. You know what? It, it just doesn't seem like we spend much time on brakes. It's like the systems just work for the most part.
4: Yeah, it's
3: definitely come a long way. I mean, I remember years ago, we didn't do much, but you would have the brakes out of adjustment and the S-cam would flip over and lock up the brakes. And that seemed to be more of a common problem then than now. And I think a lot of trucks have disc brakes, which eliminated a lot of problems That changes a lot of things, yeah.
1: Okay. Mike Lane just texted me. It's an air leak in the system bleeding back from the trailer. Maybe Mike could call in oh. and elaborate on that. Air leak in the system ble- bleeding back from the trailer. For Chris Niles or <laughs> no, that's um, no for Mike Brian's, Lane. Uh,
0: Brian's issue right now. Yeah. Uh He's getting pressure in yeah. the blue line when he disconnects it. He can hear pressure in the blue line, and there shouldn't be any there unless you're pressing on the brake pedal. I
1: see. Mike Cohen to the show and explain this to us. Yeah.
0: All right, Brian, you stumped us. Obviously, right. air brakes are not our, our strength in this segment. Maybe, uh, maybe the break safe guy could tell us. He's, he's That's a good there. idea. Yeah. We need to get him in here.
1: Get, Kevin said, you see an eight Oh one number? That's, that would be Mike Lane. Oh, actually, calling we, do an have him. we have him, So we can go to him okay. next. Yeah. And good.
0: so Mike's going to help us out with that brake issue. He's going to talk about the snowmobile conference and then that works out perfect because we have Chris on the line in North Dakota, who has a question about the snowmobile conference. All right. So, Brian, we're going to have to kick you off here. We have things to do. Yep. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks for the call. We'll see if we can get you an answer on your break issue. Mike, help us out here. Hello? Yep. Help us out here.
7: Oh, we'll try. If a brake valve leaks internally, you have a basically a supply side, the red side, your blue side's your control side. If it leaks internally, it can bleed back through the system, and when he pops the glad hand, that's where the pressure is coming from.
0: Well, that's what he's saying. So which
7: valves in the system can do this? Uh, basically, your main brake valves that run the air cans or disc brakes okay, Got it because right. they will go they will go to your wheels to run the brakes, but they do have your supply to release the brakes, and they also have your control that when you push the brake pedal it controls how much air goes to the actually the braking side.
0: That makes sense. Is there any way to narrow so it down, the valve, or do we just have to start checking
7: valves? Um, in reality, um, sometimes a air can can also bleed back through, so you can limit those by, uh, needless to say, uh, blocking off a line. Um, the other thing is, too, is you would have to probably... Pull the uh, uh, blue side off the brake valve and see which one is bleeding back through with I, no air applied. So it sounds like it's just manual labor and process of elimination. Yes, yes, because it you know it go some of them may go to one main valve, one may split and go to two. It's not like there's twenty valves in the system. Right. Okay.
1: There are check valves, but they they won't do that got it. Mike, have you ever taken any of these valves apart? Uh, basically there's diaphragms.
7: Uh, yeah. Are there O-rings? There is some O-rings and diaphragms and, uh, you know, uh, needless to say some kind of, Springer actuator type deal that pushes the diaphragm up and down and then your air pressure changes the airflow it's been years since i've taken one apart i don't know what the new ones look like but uh yeah they, they'll have uh need let's say some o-rings and uh like a diaphragm or spring to you know close and open
1: by air pressure because o-rings do have a, a shelf life i mean they have a time limit
7: well, they do, and the bad thing is is if uh, we use this fancy stuff called airline antifreeze, it's very hard on the components inside those valves. That makes sense. It's mostly alcohol, so, right? So, yes. Yeah, so if you can drain your tanks, preventative is the best. Uh, keep the air out of the system to start with, and you're going to be – hopefully
1: you won't need that thing called airline antifreeze there you go good you say drain drain your tanks just for moisture not you're not saying drain them of all the air are you no drain for moisture
7: and then uh one thing that's very neglected is the filter on the uh air dryer
1: those Mm -hmm. should be changed yearly yeah all so, right, good stuff. That, are they still using what was it called? Desiccant or something like that?
7: Uh, I don't know if they if that's still how they, they do it or not.
1: Okay.
7: Most of the new ones I think are more mechanical type, uh as far as the internals I've seen. You know, they got a heater and heating element and all that in them to help, uh, you know, keep them from
1: freezing and and separate the moisture. Do you have any idea about what years they made those changes and got away from the desiccant? I don't. I don't. Maybe one of the other callers who call in later on might know. I mean, if you have a 95 Uh through 2002, do you, you still have to change that? Desiccant and was it Pete? Do you recall? Is that a filter or uh, God? It's been so long, I forget about that.
3: Yeah, me too. I I don't remember.
1: I'm
7: I'm gonna say unless it's very very old and original, most of these days, the newer air dryers aren't gonna have it, and the cost of air dryers are gonna have come down so much from previous years that you're in most applications are probably going to buy a a new air
1: dryer. Okay. So here's the next. When did the air dryer come out? I don't think we had that in the 70s and early 80s. Oh, now I don't know. I remember driving
7: in (laughs) the 70s, 80s. They didn't have air dryers, so I don't know when they come out. Right. Right.
1: (laughs) Right. So, I know in my, very first, yeah. in my very first winter in trucking at Motor Freight Express. We were along the Allegheny River and it was always below zero at night. And in the morning, the mechanics and the drivers were underneath with flares heating up the air <laughs> tanks <laughs> yep. and the brakes to get the trucks to move and stuff. Yep. Like, I said to myself, I was 19 years old, I said, what are you doing in this crazy business? And here you are.
2: Hey, Kevin. Still doing it. Yeah. By the the way,
1: December Um, December 1st starts our 46th year. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Awesome.
7: Yeah, it is. Uh, That hydrofoil you were talking about, um, I mean, I know it's got props and all that, but in reality, The way you're describing it, it almost sounds like a very uh, high-tech, multiple-charged, like an injector on a diesel motor. Now that they do multiple injections, it's almost like it's literally injecting the air. It's that control. That's
0: what it sounds like. A hundred times a second, they're adjusting that foil, which is basically what you're doing when you're riding a foil. I mean, you're constantly reacting to keep that thing level. They're, they're so touchy. So you got to remember when you're riding a, a ski or a wakeboard or any of those things, you're, you're really only controlling basically direction and maybe a little bit of angle and that kind of thing. But when you get up on the foil, now you've got this other, this forward and backward thing you've got to deal with. If you get your weight just a tiny bit too far forward, that whole foil wants to dive your board right down into the water. And then when you get a little bit of weight back, it wants to launch the whole foil out of the water, which is one of the ways you get air on these things even without any waves. You can just get air on flat water because you, you lean forward a little bit, you dive the foil down. Just skim the board across the water and then lean back and it'll launch
7: you out of the water amazing, yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. The technology, yeah, but like I, I said, just a different way to make it relate, you know what I mean, yeah. Yeah, no that
0: that makes sense. And you know when I first saw this foil thing I'm like, well that's interesting. And then the next thing I know, surfboards. I didn't think anybody would put a foil on a surfboard, but that's a big thing now for the same reason. These guys are now surfing on big traditional surfboards with a foil on the board and they carry a wing with them. Now they don't have to paddle back out. They just pick up their wing, get the wind, and they go back out to catch waves
7: again. Uh, that's amazing. It really that's a lot is. less work. That's less exercise.
0: Yeah, and and then the other thing you used to see in those those big wave competitions when they, they try to ride those giant, I don't know, like 20, 30-foot waves, the only way they were able to do that was with the jet ski. The jet ski would have to pull the surfer ahead of the wave to get enough speed. You can't just sit there and wait for one of those big waves. It just washes right over you. But they would use a jet ski to get in front of the wave and get enough speed going to match the speed of that wave. Then the the surfer would let go of the rope and try to catch the big wave. Well, now they don't need the jet ski anymore. They can use a wing.
7: That's pretty neat. Yeah. Pretty neat. Amazing how technology has evolved in everything. I mean, it's, you know, now we're talking how surfing's evolved. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. Who would have ever thought surfing hasn't changed since it started? I mean, surfing's been surfing forever. I the boards change a little bit, but for the most part, it's been the same thing. You paddle out, you ride a wave back in. All of a sudden, surfing's changed. You know, it's amazing how much time and energy we will put into things that we have fun with.
1: <laughs>
4: Very right? true.
0: Yeah. Well, Very that's true. Why we work.
1: That's right. And that's why we work is so that we can enjoy ourselves.
9: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah. Kevin, are you the last born in your family? I am. Yes. Well, that's the rule of the last born is to work like hell during work time, which play playtime, don't stand in his way.
0: So yep. When you work, work hard. And when you play, play even harder.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. So, Mike, let's talk hey. about the Snowmobile Conference.
7: Snowmobile Conference, uh, Du Bois, Wyoming, is the nearest town. Um, Line Shack Lodge will be the place we're staying. They will be taking reservations on the 23rd. And they actually opened for business on the 26th. They will be taking reservations prior. Um, they, uh, needless say, uh, mentioned uh, Pittsburgh Power and the Snowville Conference. When you call in to make your reservations, we will be chucking in on the 1st. Riding March second, third, and fourth, and checking you out on the fifth. Uh, you can come for all the days, some of the days, whatever you guys can arrange uh, for your scheduling. Um, you don't have to have snowmobile before. We have beginners. We have people that have come multiple years and never been on a snowmobile before. So uh, needless to say. Don't let anything hold you back. Uh, need more information, contact Pittsburgh Power. Uh, needless to say, they can probably uh, uh, give, give me your number, and I can give you some more information if need be. Um, the
1: dates are March 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th. Check out on the 5th. And you said they take reservations on starting on the 23rd of December. 23rd of this month is when they will be taking reservations. And how many total rooms do we have there?
7: Um, uh, I don't know on the total rooms we had, I think we had about 25 people there the uh, when we stayed in prior years. So I would say there's a <laughs> link. Do you uh, have the phone number for the line shack? I do it is
1: 307-455-3232 and this is where we're gonna get kevin to come and cook us dinners and yep we we do have
7: I mean, if if we need more than the Lodge, there are cabins available for larger parties if somebody's interested in that uh, right across the road in the surrounding area. So we do have some overflow capacity also. It's not a problem. Rentals will be
10: available
7: on site from Union Pass Rentals also.
1: And normally, we take the entire lodge, so it's filled with owner-operators. Yes. It's a big, huge log cabin, very nice place to stay, huge parking lot. They do have a shop where the rentals will be, and do they still let us fix sleds in there if we need to do a, a nighttime repair? Well, I
7: don't know. I haven't crossed that bridge, but I remember uh, getting an A-arm and fixing one
5: in his shop. <laughs> okay.
7: So I, yeah. I would say it's probably not out of the question if parts right. are available. So um, the and other thing is... Pool. like it's a, Has a full that? bar? It has a full bar? Full bar, restaurant, restaurant. Um, great big fire gigantic fireplace uh common area uh needless to say it's a, a nice little facility for us all to basically enjoy some camaraderie relax and tell stories or or technology or whatever we want to talk about it, it's it's about camaraderie and having a great time and Pittsburgh power puts it on yearly It's been an amazing event. That's how I met Bruce, uh, what, 10 years ago. Yeah. And needless to say become a Pittsburgh power customer. My truck still puts a smile on my face every day. Can't complain. So anybody wants to come, come join us, please.
1: We'll have a great time. We'll get all this information to Kathy, our receptionist that answers the phone in case you have a uh, need to write down a phone number or anything else. Yep.
7: Kevin, come join us.
0: Right. Uh, we'll see. Uh, hey, you're, Mike, you're, I'm going to... You're, uh, you're,
7: you're, go ahead. Yep. Yeah. yeah uh, come join us. Your sidekick will bring you. Hey, there you go. We,
0: we, we shall see. All right, Mike, I'm going to hold you over because we do have a question I want to get to, but I also... Uh, Brad sent me a message about the uh, the air dryer. Let me find that again. There it is. Um, Brad Richmond. He said, "I change my air dryer cartridge every fall on my 2015 DD platform. It costs about sixty dollars. takes about fifteen minutes. My original air dryer made at eight hundred thousand miles. I replaced it because the." Uh, uh unloading valve was sticking closed the spitter valve so there is a cartridge on some of these units there
7: there 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 is um one thing i would look at though is with the price the air dryers coming down the new air dryers usually come with a filter and the cost isn't near as drastic as before there may be a hundred dollars difference between putting a cartridge in Got it. and him. getting a whole He's new air dryer in the entire air
0: dryer all right yeah all right. yep got it all right let's go to north dakota chris welcome
10: hello are you there
0: yep what's on your mind today
10: yeah oh i was curious about your snowmobile conference i've heard you guys talk about it for the last couple of years and uh, i was wondering is that are you set up as more of a trail ride, or is it an off-trail type thing?
1: Here at the Line Shack Lodge, we have a lot of trails to ride, and then we do a lot of off-trail riding also. If you just want to stay on trail, that that is possible, but most of the group is off-trail. We just use the trails to get out into the fields and to the mountains.
10: Okay, well, that's kind of what I was hoping. Uh, mine's a 174 with a three-inch track, and it isn't all that nice of a ride on trail.
1: Oh, so then you would fit right in with us. What is it? What kind of sled? Uh,
10: it's a 2017 Polaris.
1: Okay. Well, Mike's a Polaris guy. I ride skidoo, but you'll be you'll fit right in with that sled. So, And people with yeah, short-track sleds... If you have a short track sled and you want to come and we, we're we in uh, unbroken snow, just be third or fourth in line and follow somebody else's track and you'll be fine with a shorter track.
10: Yeah, but that's no fun. You've got to make your own track and see how bad well, you get <laughs> stuck,
1: right? <laughs> no, no. If you, if you do get stuck, we have plenty of muscle to get you unstuck.
10: Uh, yeah, well, I'm not all that far away. I'm going to see if I can maybe make it this year.
11: All right. Come join you us. Enjoy.
10: Oh. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good day.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for the call. All right. Uh, Chris, or, yep, we just got rid of Chris. Mike, you have anything else before I cut you
7: loose? Nope. I'm good. I appreciate, appreciate you guys. Thank everybody there, at Pittsburgh Power. And uh, thanks for what you do, Kevin. And uh, I just, uh, um, the company I'm with, the president is retiring this year. Um he's been doing it for fifty years now. And uh, his brother retired uh a few years ago. He came to the Snowmobile conference with us, Mike. And uh Neil's say it's family owned, uh smaller company, they do have their own trucks and leasers and the kids uh are taking over, Um, they've all had to work for it. Uh, The kids get in the truck, the president gets in the truck to this day. It's a amazing place. I love that. Great story. So hats off to PRAMCOR, great people.
0: There you go, good stuff. All right, Mike, thanks for the updates and helping us out there. We're gonna head off to Wyoming. Patrick, welcome to the program.
12: Good morning, guys. So on the brake thing with the, and and I've got a trailer that does this. I got, I got two trailers. One does it, one doesn't. Um, what I have figured with my heat gun is that it's not, or at least my situation is not putting any back pressure on the uh, system. I think what's going on is like when a guy gets into a spot to drop his trailer, I think you've got a little residual air in that blue line from the uh, tractor protection valve, trailer protection valve, that kind of thing when you step on the foot brake. And I think there's a little bit there that's residual. Maybe the uh, exhaust port on that head isn't opening up all the way, or maybe it closes too fast and it leaves a little bit in that line. So but I think process of elimination and every time I pull that van and I come back to drop it in the yard, I always, always, always um, check the the drag on the brakes and see how much heat there is difference
2: okay. on the corners. Right.
12: But I also I also when I get to a customer and I'm sitting at their dock, say when I come back into Cheyenne I've got a I've got a dedicated route with that van. I'll let that thing sit for just a few minutes and then I'll go back here and I'll pull that blue line off and see if if there's anything that dissipated. And nine times out of 10, after about 10 or 15 minutes of just sitting there at their dock, there's no pressure on that line. So I got a reason to believe that my situation with that particular trailer is some residual air that's not going out of the exhaust port on the valve.
0: Okay. That makes sense.
12: Yep, and then uh, uh, the reason why I called in is, is we had a couple of guys come in to get retuned and and uh, back and forth, and we had some problems with a couple of tunes. And again, uh, when I call in, I, I do ring the back office's bell as far as the guys in the back, uh, JR and, and, and all the other guys that are doing these programs. I'll tell you, these guys stick with it, and there's no give up in them. Um, I've never had any of them say, well, we've been in this guy's truck three or four times and we're just not going to do it. No, they sit there until they get it done. So kudos and hats off to the guys in the back office that are writing and installing these programs and making a happy guy with a happy truck.
0: There you go. Good stuff.
1: And Patrick and Bruce, Patrick is also our Catalyst dealer in uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming, and Brad Richmond it called in is our Catalyst dealer up in 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia. So,
12: oh yeah, okay. Uh, and Bruce, I, I just talked to the to the brains of this outfit, and uh, she said she wants to go sledding this this spring. So. I think we're gonna finally be able to make it out there and
1: uh You're gonna you're gonna bring Holly, I mean. not Holly, um
12: to you're Heidi. gonna bring Heidi, yeah.
1: Heidi yeah. to the snowmobile yeah. conference. That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah.
12: We got we got the brains of the outfit wanting to go sledding, so by God. I think we'll bring
1: I'll them. I'll meet you <laughs> in Cheyenne and we'll caravan on up.
12: Okay, well, sounds like a hell of a deal. So let her get them reservations made, part and then uh, and then we'll yeah. get her knocked in the head.
1: Call in on the twenty third. There's yep. I mean, we we do fill the place, so if you wait too long, you won't get a room.
12: Well, and I got to have plans made in advance like that, so I can just take off and not have to worry about what's going on out here. So, you know, right that kind of thing.
13: Yeah. But
12: uh, anyway, guys, happy holidays. Uh, Merry Christmas! And uh, uh, again, go back there in that back office and give them guys two thumbs up for me, would you? Because they they no, Leroy, are. Yeah, Leroy's uh, on the are. phone,
1: so Leroy, Leroy's hearing it.
0: Yeah, oh, he is. Except
1: Leroy, yeah. Leroy's
0: going to take yeah. all the credit.
1: Yeah, because they <laughs> are
2: not here today, <laughs> so I'm going to take off. <laughs> That's right. No, <laughs> nah, he shares it. He shares it with JR. <laughs> yeah.
12: And and, and and you know what? J.R. should take all the credit because he's the one I call. So there you go. <laughs> have you ever seen
1: these two? Patrick, have you ever seen the size difference in these two guys standing side by side?
12: No, but you have explained it to me a couple times.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
12: <laughs> we just need to paint J.R. green and call him the Jolly Green Giant. That's all.
1: Oh well, he's a giant. But but yeah. Le- anyway. Leroy, Leroy understands
0: the downside sometimes to being that side, so uh especially when my coach right. was there. Leroy, come here, you gotta help me with this. Yeah. Uh yeah.
1: yeah. Well and you gotta be careful. I'll tell you. On a health side, Kevin, I heard that we all have the same size heart, and as you keep adding pounds, there's so many more miles of blood vessels and arteries that the heart has to pump through so it's working harder. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah, so. There you go. Us little guys should live live longer. That's what I'm hoping. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
12: Yeah, well, I just about died this summer, so I I thought I was okay, too, and I used to brag that it had been 36 years since I went to any kind of a workout, and that was just a big mistake. So, Did you have the heart attack? Well, I almost did. I had one that was 99% blocked. I called in a day or so after it happened and uh, talked to Kevin about it, and then I had the one in the front of my heart that was 90% blocked. I had less than two weeks to live. Yeah, so that's scary. Um, a nice, nice brisk walk, and I'll tell you the coolest thing. My wife bought us a rower that's got a water bubble in the front of it, uh, a water tank. And that swishing sound makes it feel like you're at the beach.
1: Oh, there and, you go. Uh,
12: it it gives you a hell of a workout. Yeah, it gives oh, you a hell of a cool. workout. So yeah. It's four hundred dollars, but they send it right to the house, so it worked out really good for us.
0: There you go. So, all right. I walk
12: when I'm I walk when I'm away from home, and I and, and I roll. roll when I'm at home. There so you go. It out
0: good. All right. Yeah. Good stuff.
12: All right, guys. Merry Christmas
0: to you. Okay. Merry Christmas. Thanks for the call. All right. We've got uh, one more call here. Phone lines are still open if you want to jump in. 855-950-3835. Let's head off to Illinois. Jerry, welcome.
13: By Kevin and Phelps, I'll uh, make it brief here. I'll probably lose the call, but uh, just a couple of more clarifications since we're on an air brake show. Number one, everybody's right on that tractor protection valve. However, when you're getting DOT inspected and they make you pop off your tractor protection valve, they make you sit there with your foot on the pedal, and if you sit there with your foot on your pedal and you still continue to lose air, you've got a bad tractor protection valve. Even though the valve pops off in the cab... Sit there your foot on the brake and watch your air gauge. And if it still drops, you've got a bad part, tractor protection valve. Because oh, I had that. to go rescue a friend of mine that got shut down at a scale because uh, he, the, the cop could, the, he could sit there and watch the gauge still going down. Even though the tractor protection valve had popped off, the knob in the cab, it was still losing air. And I had to go replace a tractor protection valve for him at a scale one time. So that's just something else to... Yeah,
0: clarify
1: on that, that tractor protection valve
0: that makes sense because that's the whole point once that pops you should be able to right. maintain the air pressure you've already got other than what you're using for the brake application but if you're just holding your foot on the pedal that right. right that pressure should remain
13: constant it should yeah, yeah you shouldn't lose any pressure through the air hose at all and that uh yeah that was uh, something to clarify on that and then on yeah. the on the air dryer, on the air dryers, Bruce keeps saying that they used to use desiccant. Well, they still do. The difference is that the old eighty nine air dryers had a row of bolts all the way around the outside, and you had to take all those bolts out. And then the inside was a, uh, a canister that had desiccant in it. It was charcoal stuff, and you unscrewed that filter, and you actually got a core on that. They sent it back in and, and redid it. You actually had a core charge on that. Now on the new uh, dryers, they still have a desiccant canister, but it's just a spin-on filter just like an air, just like an oil filter. And you just unscrew it and so, throw it away and put on a new one. So, but it's still it, got charcoal. and still a desiccant in there.
0: It, it seems to me like this is one of those areas that the whole time I've been around trucks, nobody ever seems to understand the air dryer. I don't know why it seems so complicated. If well, still I don't desic- know. It, if there's still desiccant and a filter in there, what's the service interval to change it?
13: Well, that's debatable. I change mine twice a year, always right before I go in winter. And then once again, about six months later, I put my canister on twice a year. I don't give a damn what the cost is. But here's the difference is that everybody talks about, oh, my God, you've got to drain your air tanks every day. You get cold weather, you got to drain your air tanks. No, if your air dryer is working properly, you do not get any water in your tanks. I never... Ever have any water come out of any so, of my tanks because I service my air dryer on a regular basis.
0: So that makes total sense now. So, I, I, and in the past, I've had mm-hmm. trucks usually when they're newer, you can pull that chain or that cord all you want, and no air comes out. That would make sense because the air dryer is actually working and the the desiccate is still serviceable. And that's the point of it, to keep all of that air dry. Exactly. But then at some point, hundreds of thousands of miles down the road, when nobody replaces these things, which is really common, then that system stops functioning. And now when we pull on our cord,
13: we get a bunch of water out of our tanks correct Now you got to know how your system's plumbed also though because of the, of the old FLDs I used to have had three air tanks right. one was a wet tank, two were a dry tanks It actually went into the one of the tank first, then went from that tank to the air dryer and then went to the other two tanks. so you might always get water out of your wet tank. And I don't know that any of them are plumbed that way now. I just don't know, Kevin. I really yeah, don't know that much about does. the newer ones. But <laughs> I know my, my 2007 has got three tanks on it, but but they're all plumbed. through. It goes from the air compressor to the dryer first, then, not to an air tank.
0: Okay. So you have no wet tanks. You just have three dry tanks. No.
13: Correct. Okay. Now, just the other side note is you always want to check, too. The, it's got a heating element on the bottom of the air dryer, and the only – Thing that heating element does is to keep your purge valve from freezing in cold weather. When you when your purge valve pops off, you have spit that water or whatever moisture is there out. And then, but the only thing that heating element does is to keep that purge valve thawed out. Now, the reason I know that that came with a really hard lesson. Once again, back to the old FLDs. Just a side note is that Freightliner and all of in infinite wisdom had on top of the transmission they had a reverse light switch. One side was hot all the time, and the other side, when you put it in reverse, it came hot and turned your reverse light on. Huh. Some got their air dryer heating element off of a hot side of that reverse light switch. Well, that's fine, but any shop that ever took transmission out, they had to make sure, and I had two trucks that kept freezing up in the winter because the shops put the hot wire for the air dryer heating element on the reverse light switch backwards so that you only had the heat air dryer heating element when you were going in reverse. <laughs> so anyway, so just that's just a funny side note that that comes hard that lesson came a real hard way. So So maybe we and then, should do, do this. while you're
1: on here Oops. while you're on here and you know so much about air brakes and air compressors, I had a call earlier this week or last week last week. He's blowing the head gaskets on the air compressor. And I asked him what type of line he had coming off the air compressor head going to the first air tank. Because it, from what I recall years ago, it had to be the stainless steel wire braid with the Teflon lining because of the temperature of the air. Am I correct?
13: Well, I. Think so, and that's what I've always had. You can actually go to a hose shop and and get that made because I had one made right. one time. It's a Teflon Teflon coated, uh, stainless steel braided braided hose.
1: I, I think he said he had a standard Strataflex Airquip line on there. Oh, I don't think, I'll think bet that's it, right. How that head had swelled shut? Well, somebody put it on not knowing that it had yeah. a stainless steel wire braid with the Teflon lining and those people with older used trucks make sure that uh, nobody put on a standard line because it can't take the heat that comes off the air compressor.
13: Furthermore, make damn good sure you don't have any dips. Use zip ties, use wire cable clamps, use whatever it takes so that that line is only as long as it needs to be and does not have any dips in it because that, that line is before the air dryer. So if you get a dip in it, you're going to get moisture in it, and then you start up with a cold morning and you can't build any air pressure because your lines froze up. But if it's all if it's all downhill to the air dryer, then you don't have that problem.
1: There you go. See, Kevin, that's, that's, the, beauty of of knowledge, so. that's the beauty of this show. We, could, we come up with so many answers from the owner-operators, and Hi. I've always said if you have questions, uh, Put it out there for owner operators, and yeah. somebody will come up with an answer.
0: You know what I was just thinking. Well, I'm got going to lose calls so. All right. Well, uh, we'll cut you loose, Jerry. Thanks for that, uh, and you gave me yep. an idea. Since it seems like we we know so little about this, and there there are different systems. Here's what I want people to do. Um, whether you're an owner operator or a company driver, if you've got the owner's manual for that truck, I want people to look in there and see what the service interval is supposed to be for the air dryer. If it has a replaceable cartridge of some sort, when you're supposed to service this thing. So look and call me or send me a message or post it on Trucking Tribe. Let's, uh, let's start a list of when we should be servicing these things and what we're supposed to be doing. Let's go to, boy, the phone's lit up. Let's go to South Dakota. Jamie, welcome to the program.
4: Good morning. Well, I've got that 23 uh, Mac with the TC engine. Okay. And we are seeing a booming through the exhaust on, uh, when I was Jake braking. So I took it in and, and asked them to just go ahead and do an overhead. And I, I, I know this shop, and I know they've got a couple of guys that don't know what they're doing. And I told them, I said, you know, do me a favor, because you can have it all week. Put your best guy on it. Well, apparently I offended them, because they didn't put their best guy on it. And I went out of there. I lost a mile to the gallon. I lost power. I was, I was going down two gears lower, going up the same hill. And my depth consumption's doubled. So wow. then I had to get back and, and, you know, I talked to the service manager instead of just the service guys. And I said, you know, this ain't acceptable. You know, you guys got to get this right. So the overhead is very important and the techs that do it have to do it right.
1: Yep. That's right. Not everybody can work a feeler gauge.
3: It takes some finesse and experience. I mean, the more you do, the more comfortable you're doing them.
1: You know, one way to when you're breaking in a new mechanic and you're teaching them how to set an overhead, if the feeler gauge keeps falling to the floor, you know you don't have a mechanic there.
0: (laughs) <laughs> Bruce, I, I I, almost hate to admit this, but uh, I used to be really good with the feeler gauge when you used to have to do it to spark plugs pretty regular and points, and um, it, right. it, it's possibly been over two decades since I've held a feeler
1: gauge. That's kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Now you need a little bit of drag on that feeler yeah. gauge, and, uh, and then if there's no oil, if you're Doing the overhead, and there's no oil on it because you just rebuilt the engine, now you get a different feel. So, I always like to take a, a squirt gun of oil and lubricate everything so that the feeler gauge slides in and out, and you're not feeling drag of metal on metal. There you go. Uh, Kevin, I don't know if you remember the small block Chevy 3030 camshaft. You set the intake and the exhaust at 30,000s each. When we started first started playing with that, that was in a 1961 Corvette that I had. We used to set them with the engine running and hot. And uh, you push that through, that feeler gauge through there while the engine's running, and the index finger on the right hand still has marks from that feeler gauge. From, Back in 1967, 68. There you go. And one time I decided I went to community college and I decided I knew the valves needed set and I, I ignored it. It was winter time and I came out of class one evening and the car wouldn't start. And so my buddy came up and we put new cap rotor plugs Condenser, the whole works, and we end up towing a car home. And you know what it was? The valves had got too tight and they had lost compression. Ah, so, there you go. That was a tough lesson to learn. Whenever you're 19, 18, 19 years old, and your car won't start, so you can get home from school to get to work the next day.
0: <laughs> That's right. So, all right, all right. Anything else, Jamie? All right. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Minnesota. John, welcome to the program.
7: Hey, Kevin. Thanks for going to uh, back to the
4: basics. But we forgot uh, one of them. Pete was going to talk about overheads today. He hasn't made it that far. I thought he did.
3: We mentioned we, about uh, how they need done, why they need done. Oh, I mean... It, I thought thought we
7: were going to go into detail on how it would going through it, but I must miss that.
0: Yeah, we didn't go into a lot of detail (laughs) as far as what's going on.
4: Okay, I must miss what was going on 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 the settings. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, so what we'd have to do on this is we would have to pick an engine like a sixty series Detroit. Thirty-four oh six E cat C fifteen cat ISX X fifteen DD fifteen and do one. Bring on one of the mechanics, Pete, and let them explain exactly how we do that particular engine. And do one a week until we get through all the engines that we do. We
7: okay. do that. Uh, I misunderstood what. know, probably messed some of it, so I. No big deal, Uh, but thank you guys very much for what you're, uh, what you're doing. Have a nice day.
0: All right. Thanks for the call. Let's go to New York. Brian, welcome to the program.
14: Hey, good morning or top of the morning, fellas. Um, hey, Bruce, you there? Can you, you guys can hear me?
1: Yep. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead.
14: All right, I'm uh, I'm almost, I'm up here on the on ninety on the New York Thruway. I'm almost to Buffalo. Let's see here. I'll be there about five to put my truck on the dyno and sound good.
1: You're going to be at <laughs> our place at five o'clock.
14: <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I uh, anyway, uh, this is Brian from Hammer from Texas, and. Uh,
1: oh, okay. All right. Uh,
14: yeah, you You sent me the— uh, Are you going to be—are you going to
10: be—are you going to stop by tomorrow morning?
14: No, I wish I could. I didn't know if it was available. I should—what I should have done is instead of ordering your muffler on Friday, which it got delivered to my house in Texas yesterday, I should have called and seen if I could have worked it out where I could come in and have you all put that on there and put it on the dyno. Well,
1: that's okay. We can uh, yeah. still do that. Brian, the dyno for you, it's always available because we got I know it's very seldom you get up here, but we got to get you on there.
14: I know, but I need to get that resonator off and see if there's restrictions in it and get that muffler put on it before I decide which of these turbo housings I like better. And I'm working with Pete on that. so. Um, but let's, why can't
1: we do it tomorrow morning?
14: Well, I got to call my boss and see if I can ha- have the trailer back a little later than if I was going to do that. How long would it take?
1: Oh, we probably would like to have you there for four hours.
14: Okay, I, I definitely would have to talk to my boss because this trailer's due back. Uh, um, exactly. Let's see, let's see. It went Thursday night at, and that's it. It takes every bit of that to get back to Dallas from Saratoga Springs, New York. Um, let me call him and I'll call you later, but I do have a question about the exhaust. Um, I've got 13 inch stacks on here. Um, they're seven. 13 inches. inch. I mean, well, 13 feet and, uh, okay. they're seven, they're seven inch. They reduced down to five inch right there before, you know, at the Y, yeah. what is your, what's your recommendations on as far as reducing the back pressure? Should I have those cut down? Cause. I was going to have the four states redo my entire exhaust because the geometry's wrong, and plus I'm going to have them put the muffler on. But I, I don't know if I need to cut them down or not.
1: Are you pulling van trailers, or flatbeds, or drop decks? Tanker. Tanker. Yeah, you don't need your stacks to be super high in the air.
14: Right, but as far as far as performance goes, does it? Am I going to? gain a little or
0: well there's two two, well, things okay. that are, two things that are happening there that are working against you one one you've got more stack in the wind stream than you need get it down to the just barely above the level of your trailer and then that's just that much farther you have to push exhaust out that's right
14: right 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 okay so it, I, if anything, I would see better—a little, maybe a, just a tad bit of performance and fuel economy, or or would yeah, change a little I mean, bit. I, I would. It, whether you notice think,
1: it or not, think about this, Brian.
0: Can measure it. We're not sure, but we know that it's an improvement. I mean, it's just physics. It's an improvement. Okay. You have less drag in the wind right. stream, and you have less exhaust
1: to push out.
0: Less distance.
1: But you also remember years ago, Kevin said that mirrors on a truck rob it of three tenths mile per gallon. If mirrors rob it of three tenths, what's huge stacks sticking up at thirteen six robbing it? That's a lot of drag.
14: Right, right, right. Well, Bruce, let me call my boss. Let me let me ask you this: What about having y'all put the muffler on and just getting it on the dyno and, and making sure everything's good? Is that would that be available too, or Leroy,
1: Leroy, you okay tomorrow morning? Um,
2: as far as I know, I think we could probably squeeze it in. Okay.
14: Because because it, it might need some tweaking on the program. I mean, I'm not in love with this truck yet. It's I know. Not, it's not putting a smile on my face yet, every day. No. But, but, but that's but,
1: why we got to get you in.
14: Right, right, right. Okay. Well, let me, let me call my boss and see if that's available. If not,
1: well, a, you don't ask them. You tell them, look, I, I need <laughs> an extra four or five hours. You don't ask. You tell. Right, right, That's what, right, right. So, right. That's why you're an owner operator. You tell them you need this extra well, four or five hours. You have a problem.
14: Well, my boss takes care of me, so I try to take care of him. You know, there you go. It, well, you're still right. taking it, care it, of him. Exactly. It's a, a give take. But I'll let you know, uh, Bruce, I'll call you um, after the show. Uh, or what time do you want me to call you?
1: I'm right after the show.
14: Okay. All right. All right, okay. fellas. Um, yep. Thank you so much for everything, and uh, Merry Christmas to to everybody.
2: Merry
0: Christmas! Thanks for the call. Let's okay. go to Colorado, Dwight. Welcome to the program.
5: Uh, yes, my name is Dwight. Um, this sounds probably simple, but it has been anything but simple. I have a 2003 Volvo. It has an ISX, and for some reason, I cannot get air up to the cooling fan. Now, the solenoid on the rail is fine, but there's a supply line that comes to that solenoid, and we traced it back to the passenger side rail, and there's a gang of five quarter-inch airlines with power going to it. But there is no air coming out of any of those five. And so therefore my cooling fan won't work. My uh, The other thing I have found out is my I cannot lock my drives in, and I hadn't found out what the others are doing, although I'm thinking my ABS brakes may not be right. My big problem is I'm a dedicated run. I can only get in the shop for a few hours on Friday and they just try for a few hours and then they give up and I try next week and they give up and we've been doing this for months. Now, where do you live? I, put, I live in Texas, Central Texas. So, and again, I'm on a dedicated run every week and uh, pays really well, and I can't give it up because when I do won't come back again, so I'm just fighting this right now now. what I do is i I will supply air to that solenoid, and now my cooling fan will work but but what why the reason I can't do that all the time is now my AC will not circulate. It'll just keep building up head pressure. So I'm not been I'm not using my AC very little now since it's cool. But in the summer I can't do I couldn't use my AC at all because wow. it just I guess just blow my AC up. So I do have it rigged right now. Go ahead. You got
1: I was going to say trucking in Texas in the summertime without AC that's pretty brutal
5: well it is that and, uh, and see if I don't supply air to that so then the cooling fan the way it's set up on this truck it runs all the time so not only am I sweating but I'm sweating because I'm losing about a gallon mile per gallon on my fuel economy and at over $5 a gallon that's not being good either so this cooling fan has cost me a lot of money and grief but nobody can tell me what that gang of eight airline what they work uh, No, Volvo can't come up with the part and I'm just kind of at my wits and was hoping somebody this jog somebody's memory
1: D. <laughs> Clear wrong, You guys got any thoughts?
2: I do not. Yeah, I mean, if it's some some sort of air manifold that supplies air pressure to the solenoid, and you're not getting anything to the manifold, like what is that connected to? Where does it get its air from? Is there another well, solenoid that is so- there?
0: The only thing I remember about this manifold from when I had Volvos was that was the first place you would go to look for an air leak. When you had an air leak on, on a Volvo, I would always go to that manifold that was likely to be there. That's about all I remember of that. I didn't even realize they were still using that
5: but it, it's a 2003. Oh, okay. And, that's, that, uh, yes, the yeah, I'm
0: thinking of. Yeah. But all, all I remember is that were, that's and, where I used to go to look for leaks.
5: Yep. And they were there and they were there. And, uh, but everybody just throws their hand up. And of course, if I take it somewhere, they're just going to, it's going to sit there for two weeks. I'm going to have a big bill. Uh, lose my dedicated and uh i just can't now there are these five they actually snap together in that manifold and i did replace one that is supposed to be supplying the the solenoid up on the rail but it didn't do any good so uh anyway well Maybe somebody's listening that's had, uh, and I may try it back with, uh, Joel and see if Joel, if, if anybody jog something Yeah,
0: may know something that specific about Volvo's it may be Joel. I know he was listening earlier because he sent me a message about the, uh, the jet boat up there near Sandusky. Cause that's where he's from. Uh, so maybe if he's still listening, he'll send me something. And if so, I'll pass it along.
5: All right. Well, I'll be listening, and then I may try try back when uh, Joel's on uh, later so, in the week. Look,
1: don't, no. don't go anywhere yet. Ethan isn't. I mean, Leroy, isn't there something in ECM that Wait, controls that remote air? Bruce, uh, Leroy has a remote
3: tune to do, so I had him jump off oh. to take care of a customer. So he's oh. off right now.
1: All right. Okay. Hey, hey Dwight, I know so... when, when we had...
0: Yes, sir. Uh, Yeah, I was just going to say, just so you know, this week, we're actually recording Friday's show this afternoon without callers. It's just going to be a recorded show for Friday this week because this just happened last night. I was probably going to talk about this tomorrow. Um, I'm heading down to Vegas to a health conference. I want to go down there and meet um, Dr. Wolfson. So I'm actually flying out Thursday night cool. for a conference this weekend. I won't be back till Sunday night. So we're going to record the show this week. You know, I'll, I'll, uh, I've will i got a note here. I'll try to make sure we talk about that when we record.
5: Okay. All right. I'll be listening. And uh, uh, if nothing, if you don't have anything to say, I'll try next week because uh, pretty much I ever dare. Ever right. since the midnight, the All midnight right.
0: show. I've, uh, thank I'm, you. I'm actually sending Joel a message right now, um, so that way I'll see it tomorrow. Um, I spelled that wrong. Um, and we'll try to cover that.
11: Uh,
0: thank you. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Texas. Mike, welcome to the program well how's everyone doing today doing good what can we help you with
9: that's good well i was just gonna continue on with the air brake system uh here this last sunday i just got the trailer out of the shop and had some work done on the trailer and they replaced some valves and when they did it they put in the trailer protection valve in backwards because if you have airbags on your trader, there's a valve in the trader to when you have a problem with one of the airbags dumping air or whatever to where when you drop so much like it'll only let you dump 90 pounds of air and then it'll, it'll just cut off the airbag system altogether. so you have brakes still if you didn't know about
0: that you're aware of that valve that almost sounds um, like a, a similar valve on. to the the tractor protection valve. It's just another system to safeguard the air pressure so we've got something left.
9: Right. Yeah. Okay. And, and it was kind of funny because the guys who did it, I, I knew the guys that did the work and all that and they usually do a good job, but whoever put that tractor, the tractor protection valve in, put it in backwards because there's arrows pointing which way the air is supposed to flow and they had it to where it was flowing back into the tank rather than out of the tank which is the way the air supposed to flow on that valve so but that was just my interesting point I thought I'd
0: share with you guys got it okay appreciate so it you
9: guys, you guys
0: have a Merry Christmas alright Merry Christmas thanks for the call alright uh, we are out of calls anybody have anything they want to wrap up with <laughs>
1: No, but what it was. That? Uh, hey, I do. What about this antigens for sleeping? How are you doing with that? Uh,
0: I've got to get that stuff to you. I've got yours all figured out, and I just have to. Uh, I have to just get it sent to you. It's really working well. I have a couple new things I'm working on too. Now that uh, now that I solved the major problem, some of these other things that I tested before and thought really didn't work. I'm going to go back and test some of these because they, they had some promise. So uh, I think I'm making a lot of progress, but I, I have yours all figured out. I want to, I got to get it
1: to you and see if it works for you. Good, good. I'm doing pretty good now. I try to sometimes it's now that it's dark early. I'm going to bed as early as eight twenty. Whenever I start to nod, I said, that's it. I'm, that's I'm done. And uh, that's, that's a good practice. And that's, yeah, that's yeah, really that's, helping. That, that's I heard ride. years ago that every hour before midnight was equivalent to two hours of sleep after midnight. Boy, you go to bed at eight twenty and you fall asleep, you wake up at midnight, twelve thirty, one o'clock, you're ready to go to work.
0: I know. You know, there's a couple things about that. So <laughs> I the I think a better hour is actually eleven, not midnight. And what happens is if you you feel that Especially in the wintertime when it gets dark early, you feel that desire to go to sleep around 8 or 8.30, and people think, oh, hell no, I'm not going to bed at 8.30, and then they stay up. And if you go past 11, your body thinks you need to stay up for some reason, and it starts releasing cortisol again, and cortisol is what keeps you awake. Melatonin is what puts you to sleep. So when we wake up in the morning, our body starts producing cortisol to keep us awake throughout the day. And as the day goes on, our cortisol levels should drop and our melatonin levels should increase. But if you push that sleep time past 11, your body starts making cortisol again. That's why you don't sleep very good.
1: There you go. Yeah.
0: So, but then the other thing about going to bed early, especially in the wintertime, because it gets dark and that is the signal to our body to go to sleep. It used to be very common that people, they call it biphasic sleep. So when they would wake up around one o'clock in the morning, because they went to bed so early, they would actually get up and do things for a couple hours and then go back to sleep a couple hours later. They would have two different sleep sessions.
1: Mm -hmm. when I was crisscrossing the country into Kenworth that's how I did it mostly when I was going from show to show I would drive until I was tired and I didn't care what time it was and I'd sleep four or five hours and then I'd drive another two or three and then sleep another four and I loved it it was perfect for me when when
0: I go out in the coach by myself and I've got a lot of driving to do that's exactly how I do it I I drive and sleep and drive Mm -hmm. and sleep and yeah it's, it really, you can get a lot of miles in, in 24 hours doing that.
1: That's right. And uh, the 14 hour rule kind of took that away from yeah, owner operators. It does.
0: It took mm-hmm. all the flexibility yeah. away. Yep. I agree. Yeah. All right. We do, uh, we do have another call and they want to talk about air brakes. So we'll grab it. Lloyd, welcome. Hello. What's on your mind today?
10: Hello, Kevin, you hear me okay? You
0: sound great. Go ahead.
10: Oh, Yeah, I was listening to you guys talk about the air brakes. If you Google air brake handbook, there's a bunch of different sites come up. Ontario government, British Columbia government, Bendix has it. And you'll be able to route through their websites and find uh, diagrams of all the different uh, systems and subsystems, like the primary and secondary uh, air systems on a truck and trailer. Yeah, and I it, didn't know if that might help you. If that you would help a lot.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that would help a lot. I've just <laughs> never taken the time to do that, to just go through a system like that. And I really should.
10: Yeah, well, and years ago when I got my class A up in Ontario 30-some years ago, you had to study that book because we have to write every four or five years, do a written test Whereas in British Columbia, they don't have to because you only go down the mountain the wrong way once out there (laughs) if you don't understand airbrain systems. That's right. (laughs) So, (laughs) anyway, the other thing I wanted to blame, I got to call you up and blame you for causing me to buy a new iPhone because I had a flip phone for years and then you got fired from the satellite. So I fired the satellite system (laughs) and uh, ended up getting an iPhone because people said these phones, you can listen to music and podcasts. And then one day I was reading, moving out the newspaper, the trucking paper out of Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh writes an article in there and Bruce was talking about how you had a podcast. So I'm right back where I started, but there's no commercials. So it's great.
0: Yeah. Don't you love that? None. None of those interruptions, yeah, and we can keep a thought going without being interrupted constantly.
10: Yeah. And uh, the other thing, while I'm thinking about it, I had a couple of Joel Morrow's brothers' trucks pass me yesterday. I think in Ohio. Is it Folger Transportation that he has?
0: Uh, Ploger. Yeah. P l o u g e r. Pretty sure is how you spell it.
10: Okay. Wh- Is that what Joel has on the side of his truck, too?
0: I don't think he does now. I think his new truck, he's running um, a lot of stuff under his own authority.
10: Oh, I see. Okay. I'm just traveling around the western states. I'm heading out through Montana and then... Going up to Kamloops, BC, and I just thought if I ever saw him anywhere, I'd say hi at a truck stop or something.
0: Yeah, if you, if you go on uh, uh, either Facebook or Healthy Tribe, you'll see post pictures of his truck. It's uh, it it won't be hard to spot. He's got that you know grape ape purple color, uh, which I think is actually gorgeous, and he's going to have a pretty uh, distinctive graphics package on it with uh, all of the partner companies that he works with.
10: And another question is there any particular website to go to to read up uh, about the iTorque and the Volvo setup with this uh, downsped motor other than their own company? Or does like the Trucking Tribe have that or the Nine Mile Plus Club or anything?
0: You know, all of those places, there's a Volvo Masters group on Facebook. There's the Nine Plus MPG on both Facebook and TruckingTribe.com. Joel's active on both. There's no place where it's like organized from start to finish. There's a lot of stuff and I'll answer questions or I'll talk about a certain setup, but it's kind of just scattered all over the place.
10: I see. Okay. I'll have to search that out. I'm trying to tell the owner of my company. We've got about 50 trucks hauling tankers, and his son's the operations manager slash head mechanic, and I've been trying to explain this downsped idea to them. Our problem is we gross up to 140,000 pounds up in Ontario, and uh, every time I suggest it to them, and we've had Freightliners for 20 years. All I hear is we're not getting Volvos.
0: <laughs> yeah, so and it, that, it's I'm trying mis- to
10: twist your arm a little bit.
0: It, it, it's a mistake. That 140,000 doesn't create a problem. It's a slightly you're going to spec it a little different, but the Volvo actually shines in that area. Uh, you can. No, put, I know. Yeah, I know. A, I've
10: been listening to you guys yeah. about this.
0: Yeah, you know the, the And it, I've got- and I, If they're just not open to the idea. The best bet for something like that, where it's a fleet kind of looking to consult and learn and figure this out, would be to go through Alpha Drivers, his company, and and you know just have him deal with Joel directly through that.
10: Alpha Drivers, okay. Just let me. I'm not writing on the steering wheel or anything. Of course
0: drivers. not. Yeah. You're, you're just saying it yeah, so you know it's recorded. Mean. Yeah, exactly.
10: Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
0: there you go.
10: No, I've been trying to push them a little bit, and they're not going to move. We were on DD 13s actually pulling that big weight with a 13 automated, and now they've got the 12 speeds. The new ones have, I think, three, four, twos. This one's got three, seven, oh, so at 62, oh, yeah, I'm see. at 1400, and I'm getting six and that... a half. But <laughs> our problem is that they're pulling the big weight and then 80,000 for the U.S. stuff. So they're trying to get something that'll run both. And it, well, um, here's the thing. You can uh,
0: absolutely set these trucks up today to run both. Either the DD13, the, the Freightliner package, or the Volvo. The Volvo would be even more flexible. But either one of those could be set up correctly for this. They're just doing that old-school mentality of we need 370s to pull, and they just don't understand the yeah. entire drive line.
10: I, yeah, I know you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> I know.
0: Yeah, exactly. So
10: yeah, I get it. Yeah. But I'll try, uh, try looking at Joel's stuff then.
0: There you go. Sounds good. All right. Hey, speaking of Joel's stuff, Joel just responded to me on the text message, but now I have so many notes here. I got my notes confused. What was the issue with the last guy with the 2003 Volvo? The manifold wasn't leaking he wasn't getting enough He wasn't getting air to the to fan the, the, clutch to the fan. fan that's what it was all right uh i'm going to hey, i'm going to bring uh dale in we've got another call here from missouri you guys take this while i type this over to joel so i don't like sound like an idiot trying to type and talk at the same time dale go ahead it's your turn
11: yeah don't yeah yeah no no, no talking and typing and i, I won't write on my steering wheel either exactly but but yeah uh, i didn't hear what he was wanting to know about air brakes but if it was just like a general uh, wondering of how the system works like a complete overview of the system when i was um, um i used to be a truck driving school instructor and so i'm taking people that's never been in a truck ever and they need to understand air brakes and uh, it's a very it's actually a very good video it's black and white it's so old and it's it's a military video and it explains how air brakes was developed for um it was actually developed for the uh the train lines because they couldn't stop the massive amounts of weights so it explains how the compounding of air and pistons works for braking and then they they've got a board with the entire braking system with all the componentry on it with the the foot valve and everything and the guy with the pointer and it shows literally how everything physically works. And it's uh pretty damn informative. You know, it, it I, I and need to. How do you do get that.
1: to see this it, video? It,
11: it's
0: one of those things once you watch it, you'll get it. I just need to go do that. So, yeah, where do you find this one?
11: Yeah, and it, it um, they always just send us a link to it. I could, uh, I call you all the time, but, uh, I don't train anymore. I'll see I'll, I'll reach out to one of my trainer buddies see if you still got the link to that if they still use it. But it's uh it's literally the best explanation of air brakes I've ever seen in my life. Good. It's a military Good. training video. Yeah, it's it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I'd like to so, see that. Uh,
1: what you did was you talked to us about giving us a chocolate bar, and then you're not giving us the bar.
11: <laughs> All right. That's like, hey, there's this really cool <laughs> candy bar over That's there. Yeah, right. you can't have it. I'm yeah. not even telling you what store <laughs> is it. <laughs> That's like me telling me I'm gonna you I'm going to give you...
1: That's, that's like you calling me and telling me your truck's slow and I say yeah bring it in I'll get you another 400 foot pound of torque and you show up I said no nah, your truck won't do it Well, get, get, get the name of the video I think
11: they call that bait and switch <laughs> or, bait and switch yeah. yeah y'all dig up that link and I'll, and I'll get it back to you but it's uh, I tell you it's it's the best explanation of how an air brake system works I've ever seen
1: excellent sounds good you know, you know, Kevin. In our industry, ignorance is not bliss. So
0: no, it's not. Yeah. It's really not. All right. So and, uh, uh, I'd like to see it just just for
1: just for general knowledge. I'd love to watch it.
0: Yeah, like I said, I think it's one of those things that once you just pay attention, mm-hmm. you follow the whole thing through. You need know what parts do what. It's probably something you're not going to forget. I, I just I've never really right. done that. So. Uh, All right. So one thing we'll wrap up here and then uh, I've got to get out of here. So uh, I sent that over to Joel. He's going to make some phone calls and uh, maybe we'll even get something today because I know we're recording here in a couple hours. So. Uh, for Friday's show. All right. Thanks to the team from Pittsburgh Power, as always. We'll do it again next week. I'll see you back here tomorrow. We've got a great guest coming back tomorrow, uh, Eric Miller from Garmin. So if you have any questions at all about Garmin products, uh, tomorrow will be a great day to get those answered. So we will see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.